Ono Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report about fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but show up ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you do not have to. I am Ross Botcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And today we have someone who has been with us since the haiku days. Yeah, yeah, he's been a listener and supporter for a long time, uh, Mr. Dave Hewitt. Also known as Permanent Wave. You wrote a poem, a haiku, where he talked about giving him a permanent wave. Yeah, and then he pointed out to us that that was going to be very tough because... It would be a very short wave and visible only from the back. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you were Raelian, you'd have a lot of trouble transmitting your DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so funny because long hair is important to your, uh, you know, creating your antenna in the Raelian religion, and yet the founder himself... He don't need it. Yeah, there you go. He's too spiritual. Anyway, Dave has nothing to do with realism. Yeah, in fact, uh, we heard from Dave recently when we published our SRF episodes, the Self-Realization Fellowship. And uh, Dave, you have experience with the SRF. I do. Um, Welcome to our show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. I uh, uh, became interested in SRF when I was, of course, 18, which is a great age to become interested in anything like that. Uh, I was brought up in the Episcopal Church uh, in the deep south of this country. Which deep south? uh, uh, Northern Louisiana. Oh, wow. That's pretty deep. Deep south. Uh, Lots of Baptists and other fundamentalists there. Episcopalian, how was that seen in the community? Was that kind of like, well, it's very Just the way it church. is now, middle of the road. Okay. okay. Uh, very nice. You know, like I think the saying was, all the pageantry, none of the guilt. Uh-huh. That sort of thing. <laughs> you know, very nice. Okay. And uh, found SRF sort of by accident. In Louisiana? Uh, in Louisiana. Uh, there was no group that I know of there at the time, but I happened across uh, the autobiography more, I say more or less by accident. It's that that's too long to go into. It wasn't anything amazing or anything of that sort. I had seen a copy lying on a friend's uh, coffee table for a couple of years. Mm. Decided for uh, that I wanted to read that and got hooked on it virtually immediately. Mm. I think because at that age you want things to be amazing. Yeah, sure. And you want to go ahead and and we have what I call the Santa Claus uh, phenomenon that you know we're all brought up as little kids at least in the West believing in something that mm-hmm. isn't real, and that's primarily Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, etc. And you have to transfer that kind of psychological dependence on, to something. Okay. And so you transfer it to a religion of, of some sort or other. Huh. And in most of us, that's Christianity, some form of it. And In the States, anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was in the Episcopal Church, not a particularly devout Episcopalian, but I'd been brought up there and was in the Acolyte Guild and all that sort of thing, did my my duty. But then I, I found this and I said, boy, if this were real, how cool would that be? Because sure. it's a lot cooler than basic Christianity. Oh, so yeah. unpack oh. that. Why do you think it's cooler? Oh, well, my goodness, the fact that you, you might, although you don't have to develop powers. I mean, how wonderful is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a real experience that you have that's just not based on something that's written in a, in a book that people have been talking to you about since you were in kindergarten and, you know, God forbid, this is Sunday more, school. This is more recent, too. This is it's like a, happening and, in and just, you 20s. know, I missed him in my lifetime by two years. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So he's, he died in 55. I was born in 57. So it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. I think, well, that's kind of nice. It's sort of like mammoths. You know, as a species, <laughs> we were coexisting with mammoths. And as modern people, just we them. just, oh, so close. Totally. So here we have Yogananda, 
and I thought, wow, these teachings, if these are right, this is really nice. Yeah, and y- your entry was through AY, as we call it in the SRF, the autobiography of a yogi. Me, it, the uh, devotees. Which, uh, which is replete with supernatural tales. Oh, no shortage of them. No yeah. shortage. And they're all wonderful tales. It's great theater of mm-hmm. the mind, anyway. And I said, well, why not? And it made a lot of sense to think that way to me at the time. If you buy into the basic premise that there's a supreme being Mm -hmm. who gives a damn, Mm -hmm. then this is a great way to look at it. But then you go on and live the the life that the SRF prescribes, which I was always moderately adherent to the teachings. I wasn't a very deep meditator by Mm -hmm. any means. I did end up, of course, taking Kriya Yoga. Uh, after oh, after after two or three years of lessons, finish three years of lessons and take Korea. And you did all that from Louisiana. Oh yes, absolutely. You can take Korea at home, but mm-hmm. of course we went to convocations. My brother was in it. Actually, two of my brothers were in it. Also followed me, if you will. Oh. And uh, we would come to convocation. I probably went six or seven times. Okay. Uh, three or four times when I was living back there, and then two or three after I moved to California. Hmm. And. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And you said you were with the SRF for 20 years? Oh, a little over 20. I got to thinking last night. It must have been about 22, maybe 23. Until when? When did you? <sighs> Actually, I was, I was falling away from the practice starting in the late 90s. Okay. And then I read Shermer's book, um, Why People Believe Weird Things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And You're I talking thought, about the uh, science historian Michael Shermer. Right, Michael Shermer. I said, why do I believe these weird things? Mm. <laughs> it got me to thinking that... <laughs> There's really more to this than than I've been thinking about all this. Uh, time. Oh, he could have written an extra chapter on this thing I'm subscribed yeah, to, or any any religion in general. I fell away from the teachings entirely and just said, "Well, okay, that's enough." I don't hold any rank or anything toward SRF. Mm-hmm. I just don't happen to believe what they believe. Uh, did you like the sort of introverted uh, oh. self? Uh, what do you what do you call that? Like self reflective right. nature of the, it. I, I think actually, I think in life that probably is important. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense because eating here at the the restaurant where we ate last night, it was nothing but incredible noise. Mm. I mean, everything's turned up to 11, uh-huh. and you can't hear yourself think. And I was brought up in a very different environment, and I think dinners are very nice and friendly, but as a rule, they should be sort of on the quiet side. Mm-hmm. You should be able to speak to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that people in general don't spend enough time in the quiet. Mm. So SRF, in that sense, is very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's good for one to live that way. However, once again, ascribing... To those, the, or subscribing to those beliefs that, and you're going to get this metaphysical advancement is just, it's insanity. I don't know, at least with the uh, convocation, it was all stuff we kind of could have done in our house, but we were paying $300 for. <laughs> I mean, what did, mm-hmm. do you feel like you got something from the community itself or just from the well, lessons? I, I think, of course. In Louisiana, there were only about four of us at any one time. Oh. So it was a very small community, wow. at least in, in where and, I lived. And two of them were your brothers. In where I lived. No, actually, <laughs> they, they weren't most of the time attending. They were at different cities Okay, uh, okay. Uh, did, for a large portion of the time. Did they stay with it for a long time? Oh, uh, yes, actually. The same about 20 to 25 years and then other one less than that. Okay. Uh, but 
not having anyone to commiserate with, if you will, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And that's why coming to convocation was very special because mm, there were okay. here I am with twenty five hundred other people who feel more or less the way that I do. Uh, and it, when I moved to California, be, it was a little easier still. Would right. you save questions, kind of, to bring and talk to other people about? Well, not really. I, I never had many questions. Hmm. The, the the teachings at that time didn't bother me very much. Okay. Uh, I, I, I accepted most everything just at face value. So the single question and answer period, you were like, this is fine. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whatever. But, although most of those, uh, I, I, I listened to that on your episode and I had to laugh because that did happen occasionally. Uh-huh. Someone would go on and on and on about uh-huh. one topic. And uh, you could find, well, you know, let's let's maybe talk about one other thing and everybody will be happy. Just just one more. Let's have the lesson um, not be meditate right. more, just right. for a mm-hmm. second. <laughs> but most of the, I mean, the satsanga is specifically that. It's back, supposed to be back and forth exchange or uh-huh. more teaching by a minister. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, because the people, some of the... There are different levels of renunciance in SRF, and I don't pretend to know all the levels exactly, but one can go in as a as a, a novice, and that lasts two or three or some some period of years. I'm not sure exactly how long. And then one becomes uh, an actual renunciant, a monk, because as I understand it, now I could be mistaken, but I was told that when you go into the SRF order, which is a, 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 a branch of the Swami order, from mm-hmm. India. Mm-hmm. The Mahamsa Yogananda was a Swami, and all of the ministers are Swamis and Swaminis, mm-hmm. male and female. Mm. Okay. I've never heard that word, Swamini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that's like Diama. I like Swamini. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, little little uh, Alfredo sauce. Yeah. Just magnificent. <laughs> After one becomes a renunciant, a full renunciant, a, a Brahmachari level or Brahmacharini uh-huh. level, uh, they run around and they have the little blue cravats or whatever you call them uh-huh. when they're wearing their, their coats. Right. They okay. have little blue yeah. things uh-huh. here. Those are brahmacharis. Okay. And, and I can't remember what the ladies wear. I think they wear blue um, sari type That sounds gowns. right. So this mm-hmm. is where the question comes up, like with the Mormon underwear, like where do you get these things? Right, right. Uh-huh. They, they, they issue them, I suppose. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, then the monks... As I recall, I mean, the, the ministers, because then the next level is minister when you actually take the Swami order vows. Mm-hmm. At that point, you gain all sorts of magical powers and whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little bit cynical. I don't really believe that they believe that. But mm-hmm. uh, you're, okay. you're now a Swami or a Swamini. So when you wrote to us after you heard the first episode, you told us some things that you agreed with and some things that you were like, ah, sort of, sort of not. And one of the things that I remember, you hadn't really reflected on how everyone doesn't smile. That's absolutely true. And when I was in uh, Sacramento at the SRF group there, very, very nice people, wonderful, wonderful people. I just, I just really had a great time. I was there for five years and uh, was very active in the group. I was uh, leading services. Now, People who are not renunciants can't give sermons on their own. Mm, they can't okay. make stuff up and tell experiences. Oh. And all. You're not, not allowed to do that. But they'll always introduce people to basic meditation in case you have newcomers to the services, sure. how to do this, mm-hmm. how to breathe, and that sort of thing. So I was involved in that and uh, learned to play the harmonium. Uh, cool. Oh, uh, neat. I was a long time ago a drummer. But I had to learn to play the harmonium so I could lead the service. I can't believe you didn't bring your harmonium to Los Angeles for <laughs> well, us. Well, I, uh, I, a long time ago, I donated to the meditation group. In, oh, jeez, uh, Dave. It was a nice one. Ooh, it was a good harmonium, too. I really uh, resent this. But yeah. anyway, 
about people frowning, uh, I don't want to say it was any official prohibition or anything of that sort. Right. I think it probably depends on the group because I didn't attend many services at other temples or anywhere else as a rule. I didn't go to Fullerton or any of those other places that have SRF temples very mm -hmm. often, mm -hmm. just occasionally. Uh, I think Hollywood Temple, I remember being very friendly the one or two mm -hmm. times I went to services there. Mm -hmm. in, in certain areas, there's a history of let's keep it really, really solemn. Hmm. Mm. And we don't want mm -hmm. to appear that we're too jovial and light and friendly. <laughs> and I think that's one place that SRF probably goes very wrong. People do get put off by that. They really think, well, what's wrong with these people? They're not very happy. So somber. Right. Yeah. I've heard people say that. Oh, they don't, oh okay. they don't look very happy in there in these services. Yeah. Uh, and even though even though they are happy, they're and very nice himself happy people. Was saying, you know, you should be smiling. Yeah, yeah I was saying like, be a smile millionaire is yeah. one of his lectures. And, and <laughs> then know? yeah, and says yeah. if you don't feel like smiling, literally take your hand right. and push Force up the edges of your <laughs> mouth. Yeah. Till and you I think smile. that's the idea of well, I can do this. Of course, I can do this. Yeah. Everybody can do that. But right. um, somehow uh, got lost in translation. Somehow, I, I think I mentioned to you at one convocation there was one usher that was very, very noticeable because his smile was so genuine. Mm. He was so happy oh, yeah. to be there. And all of a sudden, midweek, that disappeared. Oh, right. Because people were talking about it. Uh-huh. And Maybe I think they, they didn't want anybody's personality to overshadow anything else. Sure. You're being a distraction with exactly. your joviality. That, that uh -huh. was what we all assumed. And it's right. a shame. Yeah. Because the whole idea is to of, of yoga, at least that kind of yoga, the, the Raja yoga, is to achieve a permanent bliss. Right. And what we're, better way to show it than to smile. Right. The picture of Lahiri Mahashai. Yeah. The, the He's grinning. The grand guru, allegedly, has got this weird little smile, and his eyes are just, wow, this mm -hmm. is great. And allegedly, that's what we're trying to achieve yeah. in life. And, right. of course, that's what SRF wants everyone to achieve. But it seems like they get held back hmm. yeah, I by wonder the culture. Yes, exactly. I feel like people, you know, we all say that we subscribe to certain truths that we found like in a text or uh, something that we came to intellectually. But the reality is we really get our cues from the people around us. If the exactly. people around you aren't following that initial text, then you just end up making little excuses for how they, oh, they actually are following <laughs> it. Right. You just don't get it. And it's really odd because I don't think that I ever met anyone in the SRF that I didn't think was a really, really nice and friendly person. I mean, there were tens of thousands of devotees worldwide. I, mm -hmm. I don't know the figure on that. But, but you didn't run into you know, people who were backbiters and, you know. Not that I was aware of. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, nice people. What, what would you think about, uh, I was talking a lot about how it, it felt like the perfect religion for introverted people. I think it, it certainly does fit that pretty well. But it also, there, there are some people that are, very much extroverts that do that fit very well into the into okay. The There's no a role question for about it. No question about it. I mean, and you don't seem like a particularly withdrawn person. No, 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 definitely not. I, I'm probably a little less uh, a little less outgoing than than the people that were bothering us in our hotel room last night <laughs> next door. Having a, they were very outgoing. Sure. Uh, a little too much, but I I like to talk with people. I have a good time. But then yeah. again, you left. I, well, I did. That's true. Only because I began to realize that the basic premise is flawed, okay. at least in my opinion. 
So do you think if one were to strip away kind of this supernatural metaphysical claims of SRF, do you think you'd be left with enough good content to deal with meditation that it would be a useful practice? Well, actually, I, I have been recently getting back into a little bit of meditation, not, mm-hmm. any, not any particular thing, not doing Kriya Yoga, but sitting and meditating 10 minutes in the morning or 15 or 30 or whenever is definitively good for just about everybody. It is. Yeah. It's good. I found that after we started doing SRF, I did like feel better. I felt like I was doing things that are missing from my life, spending right, more time right. like mm-hmm. thinking, thinking my sure. thoughts and living with them. And- I think that reading the autobiography, I don't say a y mm-hmm. because I first heard that term from one of my brothers, who I think was being a little bit snobbish about the whole. <laughs> oh, well, when you read the a y, oh, mm-hmm. you know, just come I, on. I thought it was hilarious when it's someone a- saw my copy and they said, uh, "Oh, look, he's got vintage a y." <laughs> and it took me a moment, like, what's he, oh, autobiography of yoga, I get it. Is there a vaccine for that? You know? I just learned some lingo. That's right. Uh, when you read the autobiography the first time, of course, a lot of people will say, well, that's hokum. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's baloney. Sure. But if you happen to be of the mindset that you can accept it as at least possibly real, it's fascinating and it's, it's invigorating and, wow, this stuff really happens. This is great. Yeah. But, of course, it isn't real. I mean, it's been pointed out many times that so much of what Yogananda describes as having happened with these miracle workers is simple... Uh, uh, magic tricks. It, it's hokum. Yeah. It's, it's exactly street magic. It's <laughs> all over the place. Making they teach, your heartbeat stop. They teach the kids how to do that. All you know, all oh, over yeah. India and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of the things he mentions well twice in autobiography is uh, people who can subsist without eating food. What, was that ever emphasized within the group? No, no. Uh, I, I think that any such extreme measures were always discouraged. Of course, fasting is fine. Mm-hmm. A day, day and a half, whatever. That's fine. That's healthy. And some people will do several days or whatever. But of course, you need to take in the right liquids, and they they mention that sort of thing. But having extreme views of any kind, I think, is discouraged. And okay. that's, that's a nice okay. point. I don't know. I, do, I can't remember the uh, danger values, but they just came down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, they're, they're, very, they're very smart. As, I remember in one of the tapes of one of her talks, Diamata said, you know, we, we, want, we believe that things will be all right and we'll do our practices, but if there's a need, we face it. We go to the doctor. Right. So there's none of this, I'm going to stay home and heal myself all the time. I mean, certainly most diseases, for example, go away. Mm-hmm. Most diseases go away on their own. And so if you just take care of yourself, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. But if you develop a really serious disease, then you have to go get help. Sure. And I think they face that with it. Great. So with Kriya Yoga, we never got there. So tell us what it is. Uh, I will describe it by the same token that you said you won't divulge what you read in the lessons. Neither will I. And yeah, I, I won't divulge what I know about Kriya Yoga because okay. I made that, that uh, yeah. promise that I wouldn't. It is alleged to be a, a method by which one can channel the spiritual energy, whatever that is, up and down the spine. Hmm. Uh, the, the spinal okay. cord, not the, not the spinal column, but the spinal cord. Okay. And by doing this, you effectively increase the rate of your spiritual evolution. Mm. Okay. So, so this is along the kundalini points. That sort of, of thing, yes. And I only took the first kriya. There are several grades of kriya, several initiations. So I only took the, the first one, the, the lowest, most general form, if you will. Hmm. The idea being that by 
acts of will and certain physical acts, which are very, very simple, you can channel this energy in the right direction, up and down the spine, and doing that one time is equivalent to one year of living, just living. Okay. And so the idea is that we're all on a, on, on a general trend upward, if you will, towards spiritual perfection. Mm-hmm. And it might take, of course, reincarnation comes into this. Sure. So it might take 10 years. It might take 1,000 years. It might, it might take, take 100,000 years. Uh-huh. Who knows? Uh-huh. And so if you can use this trick to do this uh, okay. and advance what's normally oh. happening very slowly. So it's almost like saving yourself time in purgatory. Exactly. <laughs> and purgatory happens to be where we live now. Right. Ah. There isn't a hell. There's right. just separation from divine knowledge. So, mm-hmm. so what's the necessity of that? Why do we get put into that cycle? Well, that, there you go. <laughs> Why would the creator do such a thing? Does that question ever get raised or answered uh, in the satsangas? I would have asked. Don't it. think so. Most of the time, meditate more, Ross. <laughs> that's exactly it. I remember one time that one of the ministers told us that he'd asked Yogananda, "Why? Why are we doing this? Why does this happen?" Mm-hmm. And Yogananda turned to him and said, "Some questions you have to leave." Later on, for a next uh, level, you put, it put it on, on the, the shelf. shelf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we learned yeah. that from the yeah. Mormons. And when, when you are when you are a higher level, you, you you've gone past this plane and moved up because there are the four planes of existence. Very conveniently, once you finish here, you're not finished. Uh huh. You can get out of the earthly plane of existence, but you have to move on to the astral plane. Uh huh. Mm. Which was referenced by Gary Wright in the song Dreamweaver. Oh, he okay. was a, he was a, a disciple of Yogananda, hey, okay. and that's what that song is about. It's about Yogananda. Okay, and interesting. Then beyond the astral plane, once you finish your lessons there, you move to the causal plane, which is where astral is. It's like things are composed of light only. It's very subtle. Mm. Causal is just the realm of ideas, if you will, only energy or something. Sure. You know, who knows? Very nebulous for us. Yeah. Sure. And then beyond that pen. is <laughs> then beyond that is just complete freedom. Mm-hmm. No more reincarnations. And one who chooses to incarnate to come back, that's an avatar. Ah, ah okay. That's Baba what G. Jesus, Baba G, Krishna, right. uh, Mahavatar, uh, uh, Lahira Mahashai, uh, Sri Yukteswar, and Yogananda. Not the only ones. Hmm. There have been lots of avatars. Mm-hmm. God is apparently trying very hard, but making it very difficult at the same time. Uh-huh. Now, that's interesting. So if Yogananda was one of those avatars, does that mean that when he was born into his body, he was already this fully realized being who had made a yes. decision? Yes, an avatar is by definition already fully. Avatar means uh, a descent, or translates as a descent of divinity into flesh mm. from ava and tree in Sanskrit. But he didn't realize that about himself sense. until... Until, because there's always that, that veil of humanity mm-hmm. on these people. Ah. Jesus didn't realize it, allegedly until he was maybe 12 in the, right. and in the temple when he says, you know, I must uh-huh. be about my father's business, right. that sort of thing. So right, right. The, the, the stories are, are A very A real clever similar. way to give yeah. your mom the very finger, by similar. the way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and apparently his parents had forgotten about the whole, like, manger scene with uh-huh, the angels. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, jeez, come on now. Clean oh, your that's room. right. You're, you're like the son of God. Yeah. I forgot. Right. <laughs> A star literally followed you, I remember. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, there's something special about you. I never had sex before you were born yeah (laughs) now jesus uh, it feels like he's mentioned a lot do you feel that he was kind of incorporated because 
people already accepted him so much, or is he fully in line with all the other avatars? Well, oh, I think certainly fully in line, no question about it. Uh, I mean, Avatar is a level of existence, as I understand it, how, to what degree that might be, that they're all the same. Mm-hmm. All Avatars have the same level of, of uh, divine consciousness or whatever you There's want There's no say. ranking between Avatars. No, not one is greater than another. If you're one of the six whose portraits are up front, then... Uh, or even the other Avatars. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's uh, Ramakrishna of Dakshineshwar is by many, many hundreds of thousands or millions considered an avatar. And he's also mentioned in the autobiography. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Kalki and all these, uh, Krishna, of course, is one of them, but uh, there are various incarnations of Vishnu mm. and that sort of thing that have been throughout the centuries. Now, Sri Diamanta, she wasn't considered to be no. an avatar. Yeah, no. are any of these female? No. Uh, there are, well, I, I think that there are female avatars, and that's occasionally brought up that why aren't there any women on the SRF altar? Yeah. But they're not representing all the avatars, just the ones that just are the best ones dealing the best. with this particular teaching. <laughs> okay. yeah, that's the idea. Ah, okay. Ah, what a coincidence. Yeah, that's right. I mean, well, you know, if, if the board of directors is only the ones that are of this company, well, sure. the same thing. These are the ones who have brought this teaching. Sure. Here. Now, Jesus didn't directly bring the teaching. Yeah. That was Babaji. I always wonder, is it just because America is mostly devoted to Jesus in the first place that he decided to adopt that mm-hmm. uh, and put it in? I don't know. Mm. I don't have any idea. I mean, that's, that was my feeling. I, I, we were talking about that because it feels like every religion has to account for Jesus and kind of co-opt him or Christ-opt him. Here in the United States. Yeah. yeah. If, right. if you want to sail here, you got to you know respect and love Jesus and then have a spin on his teachings. And would SRF devotees ever read the New Testament or oh, go to Bible? Oh, absolutely. Okay. They wouldn't, there was never any Bible study or anything like that that I was aware of. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing of that sort because it was all Yogananda's teachings. Sure. There's enough there. Uh, yeah, there's plenty. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty. Uh, and once again, so many people in the SRF do not have people to discuss it with. They're mm-hmm. out in the hinterlands the way I was. <laughs> you know, I had one brother who lived at part of the time uh, at home with me and one or two other people in, in the, I don't know, 10 or 12 years I was in our SRF, maybe longer, uh, in Louisiana. And you know, we had a meditation group. There were three to four of us. At one point, I think we had six, but that didn't last very long. And boy, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough. You, you feel pretty alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. all the teachings are in the lessons. Yeah. So you don't need anything else, Fair really. Enough. And since you are were an initiate into Kriya Yoga, uh, Yogananda is supposed to be your personal yes, guru. Yes, Yogananda is the guru. Did you ever feel like a personal connection to the guru? I, I think so. I think so. But, of course, you can convince yourself of anything mm-hmm. over time. No mm-hmm. question about it. I never had any mystical experiences. Okay. Uh, so much of what they claim will happen or should happen is physiological and easily explainable physiologically. Mm-hmm. It really is. And that's great, yeah. except that if you're, if you're seeing lights because of what you happen to be doing to your eyes, you know, <laughs> and that's not at all uncommon in these, sure. in these Eastern faiths. You've got some sort of pressure on the eye to do something, and that's going to... Dave is like literally this. pressing on his <laughs> eyes yeah. with his fingers. Yeah, <laughs> it's very specific. It's not in order... You don't just do this. It's part of one of the meditations. Right, right. And what do you know? I'm uh, seeing lights. It's very, very gentle, and it's, there's no harm to come of it, but you can produce light that way. Sure. So, okay, now show me something that I can really take home. Right. And if you want to believe it, you're going to believe it. Yeah. That's the way it is. Uh, 
Dave, I noticed that when you were quoting Paramahansa Yogananda, you said, and he turned to him and he said, which is so like in line with how SRF talks about right. him. Mm-hmm. Like he, he'll say the most banal thing. Like your story is literally like he turned to him and said, I don't know. No. But you know, like it's turned into this like sure. very grand. Mm-hmm. He turned to him and he said, well, we'll talk about that later. You know, well, okay. Well, it's part of the story. <laughs> no, no, Telling I know. It is but, part of the story. But right. did you find mm-hmm. that, that like just like anything he said was venerated? Right. Even if it was... Well, of course, that, that's part of what... Even the, the, the smallest crumb that falls from the guru's table is holy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. the idea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if, if your guru kicks you, you take that as a lesson right. to learn from. Right. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and that's where it goes wrong in so many organizations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People are mistreated. And they Cult think, of oh, personality. Sure. So, yeah, do you feel that he then had any major flaws that were kind of overlooked or that he uh, kind of required others to obey laws that he didn't? I personally don't know of any uh, of, the, of the latter category there. Mm-hmm. May have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are always stories after the fact that uh, that's usually, terrible things happen. That's like the defining you know, measure of a cult is that you have sure. these, this leadership mm-hmm. that has all these rules for everybody, but they themselves right, do not right. obey uh, the, the, I mean, there's a story that he fathered a child here in the U.S. somewhere, mm-hmm. oh. you know, yeah. and I don't think that was ever proven no. by any means. No, I think actually that at least the SRF yeah. claims that they did a paternity test on that guy mm-hmm. and it wasn't true. Yeah. Could be. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it seemed like there but, was quite a uh, celebrity following as well. Like we heard a lot about Elvis Presley and I guess oh, yes. he mm-hmm. wanted the fast track. And I think uh, Sri Dayamada said, oh, no, you can't do that. And uh, he called her Ma and they oh, kept yeah. up mm-hmm. correspondence. For years, mm-hmm. there are lots of lots of celebrities were involved. Uh, I know Robin Williams was a deputy for a long time. Mm. Interesting. Uh, George Harrison. Oh right. yes. Yeah. He, he credited, as I recall, someone at least told me he credited Yogananda with correcting his thinking. And there, you know, there are lots of celebrities that are involved uh, even today. And they don't certainly. make a big deal out of that. No. Yeah. No. Rarely, not rarely like hear about it. In no. that way. Yeah, rarely you're right. They're not trying. They Very, don't have a celebrity center. Right. right. Overall, it was a good experience. Good. And I think on the pocket brainer value, I noticed you like you like to go for that. Yeah, uh, I had a question about that. Yes, go convocation on. is expensive, uh-huh. no question about it. But you don't have to go. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you want to go, great. Sure. Uh, you don't ever have to go. And the lessons for what you get once is just a bunch of printed stuff, but they're yours forever, mm-hmm. and they're actually paper. We have ours they're not next online. To you. Yeah. A, a small collection. A small collection. Yeah. yeah. You know, three years is much larger. More. Uh, and uh, it's uh, they do ask for some form of a regular donation, mm-hmm. but they, that's allegedly just to keep the connection with the guru. That's what Yogananda right. said. But they're not out to get your life savings. Well, let me ask you this, Dave. I got a very weird mailing from them in the last mm, three months. That was, it reminded me so much of a mailing from like a televangelist. It, it was this little box, this little cardboard box, mm-hmm. and it said, fill it with money like every time you have some sort of negative thought. Right. Now, one suggested thing you could do with it is send it back to us. We're not saying you have to right. do that. We're just saying, <laughs> I don't know. That seems right. like a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you could, you could go out and have a night on the town if you had put the right kind of coins in it if you wanted to. Sure. But the idea is that. I think that you're just making more of your life uh, connected with one thing that Mm -hmm. instead of, oh, I feel lousy now, I'm going to go have a drink. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel lousy now, I'm going to meditate a little bit and put Mm -hmm. a coin in the box. Mm. Sure. That kind of thing. I I think really that's what they're going for. 
Oh, I think that's what they're yeah, going for absolutely. too. I think though that like I don't want to underestimate the power of someone who maybe isn't as strong-willed as you, Dave, who's <laughs> who's just like, oh, this is what's being expected of right. me. I better mm-hmm. send these hundred dollars right. to them. Right, that's yeah, know? and and you know that happens. It happens with everybody, of course. In any yeah. sort of organization, yeah, yeah, has people who are going to give way more than they can afford. Yeah, no question about it. And. Yeah. And how much do they prey upon that is That's the right. measure I, I, of the organization. I, I, personally, I'm, and now I, I'll admit I still have a soft spot for them because, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. for 20-plus years I was part of it and supported it and, you know, never gave them my last dollar or anything of that sort, but never perceived any kind of harm and only some benefit. Yeah. That's great. Well, good. And if it hadn't been for the fact that I realized that the basic premise is wrong, mm-hmm. I'd still be doing it, mm-hmm. probably. But I, as I say, I never, never f- detected any kind of negative effect from SRF, other than maybe a few Sundays I missed that I could have gone something <laughs> really interesting. You know, I enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah. No question. So why not keep doing it? I don't have a desire to put part of my life into something that's associated with a religion. Mm. Okay. It just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. And uh, we're recording this two days after the Paris nightmare mm. Mm. Uh, mm. where over 100 people were killed by religion, mm-hmm. uh, radical religion, yes. You know, when you believe things that simply don't exist, this is where it leads eventually. So even though the SRF is a, a much kinder, gentler form of religion, you just don't want to give credence to the whole establishment. It just doesn't make sense. And once again, I think the principles that SRF teaches are not unique to SRF at all. They're mm-hmm. practiced by who knows how many, there's countless religions around the world practice basic meditation and this sort of thing. But the overall message, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. You know, don't waste stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't waste time. Don't waste energy. Don't eat the wrong things. That's great. All good. That's absolutely wonderful. I no wish argument. I'd follow that more mm-hmm. before and after. Anybody wants me to ascribe to a god in the sky doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. So I refuse to do that. I'll let you have the last word on this, Dave, because we disagree here. Because I'm I'm an atheist who thinks there are like good roles for religion. When I hear when I hear that argument that like well here's well at least thing, I just start to think of counterexamples. Like couldn't we then say well here are some points where money went wrong, where someone oh, used absolutely. money to mm-hmm. to yes. do something awful, therefore mm-hmm. money's bad. Do you see? Right. No, I, I agree, and there? I think I think for the most part. As it's practiced by most people, religion is fine mm-hmm. because it doesn't force them or, or lead them to do bad things. And that's okay. And it gives them hope. There's no question about it. But it's sort of like uh, Reiki. And if Reiki makes somebody feel better, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a physician. I don't want to see the nurses in my hospital doing Reiki. They don't yet. It's probably going to happen someday. It's happened to hospitals in the East Coast. Yale and elsewhere are bringing that sort of thing in. And I don't like to see it. But if it does help patients and it doesn't cost anything Mm -hmm. and it doesn't harm in any way, fine. But when you start believing that it's treating your cancer and so you stop the other thing, Uh, there you go. And so religion is the same way. As long as there's no harm resulting from it, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But I see the money that people give to religions. And they have to build these gigantic structures 
could maybe that money be spent on helping a few people directly? Mm-hmm. Maybe developing some programs to get mental health treatment, all that sort of thing, back in the system? That's my beef with religion. Mm-hmm. Beyond the things we've discussed already, uh, is there anything in listening to our episodes of uh, the SRF that you think maybe people should uh, be clarified on, that, you know, that we missed or that we... Not really. I think for if someone was not at all familiar with it, I think you did it justice entirely. Great. Uh, really, Good. Really. I, I think so. Uh... Because the fact that you, you took the lessons... Is, is a big plus, as you do in all your investigations. You actually get involved. That's great. And once again, I, I am biased. I'm sure I'm still biased a little bit because I, I still, if I went to the Lake Shrine, I would probably look for a minister or two that I recognize. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I used to be here 25 years ago. You know, uh-huh. how are you, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we like that. We like that great. you still like Because the they're SRF. nice people. They're very nice people. And I don't have anything at all against them. I don't think I wasted my time. Uh, any more than I did in the Episcopal Church or would in any other church. I, I always have this kind of internal measure when we're looking into a new group. I'll think, well, what if they ruled the world? Would it be a worse place mm-hmm. or a better place? Mm-hmm. And I thought with the SRF, you know what? They'd be okay world dictators. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. Do you think it'd be a better place? Hmm. You know what? Yes, on the whole, I think so. Okay. Just just put the Republican candidates and the Democratic candidates up there and say, or SRF. You oh, know, yeah, wait, you're wait, right. Which group? I can't yeah, find anybody becomes, I'd want to rule the world right now. Then it becomes very clear, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it's tough. <laughs> some uniformity always, I guess, imposes some level of uh, peace. Yeah, it would be a, a higher peak on the moral landscape, perhaps, mm-hmm. but not the highest. Sure. And, you know, there's some stuff that, that I think doesn't get out into the general public hmm. that I never knew about when I was in SRF. The idea that Diamond didn't live at the Mother Center when we were all not directly led to believe mm. that, but at least in the later years, mm. she didn't live there. Mm. Uh, she lived in some house somewhere in a neighborhood, which is fine. Right. But it was implied by everyone's comments that this is where Diamond is. Mm. Ah, okay. And we'd see, you know, when, and, and, and we, my brother and I visited there occasionally, and we'd say, is Diamond around today? I don't think so. Well, of course she wasn't. She lived 15 miles sure. that way in a house. Weird. That huh. kind of thing. Huh. You know, so were they being disingenuous? Were they protecting mm-hmm. her on some level? Who knows? Weird. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Well, she's only 15 miles away. It's possible that she did drive in quite a bit. Well, could be. Yeah. I think it's clear here that we spell out that Carrie does not live at the Mother Center. Uh, yes, I do not. This is a big misconception. Well, you misconception. should. You know how pretty it is. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. beautiful. Oh, most important question. Did you ever get to have cabbage-based fish heads? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> should I have? It was great. David. Is, that in, one, think is about that in that. one of the lessons somewhere yeah, that I well, missed? <laughs> in one of the many, many writings we came across, which is, you know, is just tons, uh, there was a recipe for uh, quote-unquote fish heads that were made out of cabbage. <laughs> As if like people are like, oh, God, I miss fish heads. We've got to recreate that. <laughs> how, can we, how can we recapture the wow, deliciousness I, I, of a fish I, head? I must have missed that, uh, that presentation. <laughs> it, wasn't, mm. it wasn't in the lessons. It was no. in some other book. One of the books yeah. that we, hmm. she was reading through. Yeah. Cabbage but no, fish heads, well. You know, yeah. you really missed out. I did. Your 20 plus years are Boy. for naught. You, know, you came to or LA maybe not. specifically to eat good food. Well, that's you true. still didn't that's true. get. Well, I didn't see it on the menu. <laughs> Jeez. But it's good to see you here. And oh, uh, My pleasure. Any, uh, uh, keep up the good work. Your episodes are really are an inspiration. Oh, thank are. you. They're, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. And I'm really glad I don't have to enroll in all these things to find out about it. <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm glad we're doing yeah. our job for you. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge on one that uh, you did have experience and with. Yeah, thank you thank for the you. opportunity. Pleasure. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.